Hello again, and thanks for listening today. This is Stepping Into Freedom, the podcast about standing fast in the liberty wherewith we have been made free from Alma 5840 in the Book of Mormon. Um, so Bobby Bowman is the guest for this one, and uh, <laughs> I never I never thought I would uh, find a guest who uh, liked to talk or could talk as fast as me. <laughs> Maybe she wasn't quite as fast. I know I kind of ramble on sometimes too quickly for people to understand sometimes. But um, yeah, Bobby was so fun to interview. Um, I know you had some opportunity to get some fun stuff out there about high school and stuff that matched her experience as well. Yeah, definitely. And having someone to relate to with the the struggle of, of reading and really connecting into the scriptures as a teenager and then finding out as, well as an adult that while wow, these are really amazing scriptures <laughs> they actually have messages for me and they're not just for grown-ups mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> it's like when, when that part where she, like yeah pay, by the way pay attention to that listeners the the part where she talks about struggling with reading the book of Mormon and stuff um yeah where it's that, that moment where it's like Oh, uh, or especially for her, she's like, I, I don't know what I actually believe. Like, I'm, do, I'm doing all the things, and then all the things are working and with the gospel, but uh, I'm not really sure I understand it all. Um, wait a minute. I, I, I want to understand more. What do I do? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that's a really good part to listen to, because, just pay attention, because um, Bobby just, she, the, she talks about... Um, like the the moments where the Lord was like, "Be patient, just keep trying, just keep trying," and then you know eventually pull through. I think you like that part a lot. But um, that and her struggles with uh, it was a different kind of eating disorder. It wasn't like trying to throw up or eating or deliberately eating too little. I wouldn't say. Well, how would you describe that? Well, um, turning to exercise to be super fit and excessive exercising. Um, not eating enough um, to compensate what she was burning off. and I don't know if there's really a term for that, but yeah, basically that was it. Yeah. She never did, uh, I don't know if there's an actual label for it. Yeah, not for that kind, yeah. World today, but there are other people that are like her that mm-hmm. turn to exercise to for the endorphins, for the help me feel better kind of thing. Yeah. She wanted so much of the natural high that it became unnatural. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And finding moderation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With the yoga thing she mentioned too. That was... Yeah. And taking time to breathe yeah. and, and connect with herself. Mm, a form of be still and know that I am God. Yeah. yeah. Yoga and meditation allow that. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That oneness with the Lord. Yeah. The funny thing is I remember one, I think I, I, think I only ever tried it one time. Um when I was up in Canada, one of the therapists I went to see actually suggested to me, he's like, Paul, you could really use the slowdown of your brain. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's like, you could really use that slowdown. Just, I, I challenge you to take some time to just sit and meditate. Maybe one of these Saturdays, Saturdays when you go up to play the piano, you know, when Lorraine's with her home care worker, just take some time to just meditate. And I'm like, Ugh, okay, fine. I, I actually remember I tried it once and I'm like, hmm, yeah, that was kind of nice. Okay, that, that was helpful a bit. And, I don't. I don't think I tried it again because things got harder and harder. But <laughs> yeah, definitely good. I was uh, glad to hear that was so good for her. Maybe I'll try that again soon. <laughs> um, yeah. This is. Anyways, there's there's a few things that uh, Bobby talks about in here that uh, 
Um, it, she, I guess she illustrates really well with her experiences um, how she turned her pain um, emotionally, socially, and other ways to um, turn her, to have the freedom to turn her pain into power, which is uh, the one for this episode. But um, a lot of people have experience with that out there. And if you feel like you're having trouble doing that, um, this is definitely a good one to pay attention to how Bobby did it and is still doing it. So, Yeah, and turning to the Lord and being set free from that pain. Even if the pain never isn't lifted completely or given that power to thrive through the pain. Yeah, and that's hard to do is, is uh, finding joy and power in the middle of it. But, um, you know... It's possible. It, yeah, it is. So, anyways, enjoy. All right, so... Um, this one's kind of interesting today because, um, as we were just talking before I started recording here, uh, Bobby has um, similar, uh, what would you say, social struggles the same as I did growing up? <laughs> yeah, I would say focus. I had a lot of focus struggles. I was <laughs> a pretty hyperactive kid. I had a, I had a lot of friends, but I, I definitely struggled. At the same time, it's all yeah. explain more. Oh, <laughs> wow. So this is going to be kind of interesting for me. Anybody else out there who is like social rules, who cares? <laughs> but, yeah, so um, if you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners for a minute, um, give a bit of background, and, and then we'll get started with the storytelling. Yeah, for sure. Well, my name is Bobby, and I grew up in Layton, Utah, and born and raised. I, my parents are from both Star Valley, my mom is Wyoming and Arizona, and my dad grew up on an Indian reservation, my mom grew up on a dairy farm, so I kind of <laughs> had a fun little background, and um, my dad, his dad was a convert to the Church of Jesus Christ. He met my grandma when he was 27, and he, prior to that, he was an orphan. I'm telling this because I think it has a lot to do with how I am. <laughs> so prior to that, he he was an orphan, and eventually he got out and was adopted by, I believe, his grandparents, but he never really got along with adults or parents. He had some, maybe, maybe it was oppositional defiance, I'm not sure, but he ended up leaving home at 15 and lived a pretty rogue life for a long time until he met my grandma when he was introduced to the Church of Jesus Christ. And he went from being an orphan and living a godless, lawless life to taking on a family. And he ended up adopting six kids and having four of his own. And so I have kind of a fun little family history that's just like the tip of the iceberg of it. But... Um, <laughs> so that's a little bit of my background. I I was an avid soccer player growing up. I loved sports. I loved working out. Man, if I if I actually would have cared enough to get into sports, which I hated with a passion growing up, I was yeah. in, I was into music and stuff. But I'm like, if I would have actually gotten into sports, I'm sure it would have given my parents a huge relief of my hyperactivity <laughs> at home. Yeah. So I it did. I. I didn't know. So this the struggle I had is I had no idea what I was struggling with. I just knew I was having a lot of issues, and I had a, quite a few health issues tied into one, which 
I'll talk a little bit about today as we go. So, um, yeah, I just played soccer growing up competitively. I played from the time I was four. I still remember scoring my first goal. And it's kind of funny because, you know, my coaches were, thankfully, when I was growing up, they weren't super structured. They could see, I just have always had this, I don't know if it's a sixth sense, but I just, I could just feel where things were going to go in the game, and, and that's how I would play. But if they gave me too much structure, I would really struggle at playing. I didn't like, I always struggled with rules that I didn't understand. And I don't know if you can relate to that, but like human life rules don't always make sense to my ADHD mind. I'm like, why is that a rule that doesn't yeah. make sense? Well, it's interesting that you said too, because, um, like, I needed, I actually needed like a lot of structure growing up in order to like, stay sane. But I get to Canada, and my entire ten years up there, it was like because of Lorraine's health was so volatile, nothing could ever be planned. And so, like, yeah. I kind of had to turn it into organized chaos, if you will. And yeah. so it's like th that whole like sixth sense thing. And I was like, I I kind of had a different version of it. It was like. Um, when there was a problem that came up, I'm just like, I could, with, whether it was like with Lorraine's health or um, whatever else um, around the apartment or something, it was like, you could just kind of see what the solution is without taking step by step to get there. It's like, okay, I, I can picture it in my brain, I can't say it, so please forgive me, let, just let me do this, please, I can, I can do this, just let me, let, let me do this. <laughs> I know that, like, don't give me instructions, I'll just figure it out. <laughs> through stuff like where my mom would just like kind of push me aside I was like a you know <laughs> I don't I was tested for to be on the spectrum but they never gave anything conclusive because I was hyperactive I was talkative yeah. I was very vocal <laughs> that, at church. That one, I, I think so funny that one time I'll, I'll never forget it because I, I you know you were saying everybody else was like oh my gosh she's annoying I'm like if I would have been there you know if I go back to the past and see that moment where she was, she gets up to the, what was it, the microphone at, at church? No. Or you stood up on the bench or something? I, was, I stood on the pew. I yeah, was three yeah. years old, and I said, I will not be quiet. I am a child of God. And She's just like, <laughs> out in the middle of the, I'm right in church, it's like, I will not be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, like, uh, social cues are a little off for some of us sometimes, but, you know, I, I don't even view ADHD as, I call it that, but I think it's just a gift. Like we, yeah. we can, I call it him his superpowers. We're super good at certain things. And 
you know, we just don't always know what boundaries are. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the awesome thing. Like I, was, like I was telling you before we started the recording here with Colette and I, like, there didn't need to be any boundaries because we felt safe, like, just going anywhere with conversation. There was no, oh, that would be really awkward to anybody else. Is that awkward to you? No. Oh my gosh, I love you more. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like, a lot, I think we're just typically more open, like, I don't think I have anything to hide, and I think part of that, I don't know if you feel this way, but I've started observing more people with ADHD that are more um, autistic-prone or, or Asperger's, whatever you call it, but I think a lot of us have, you know, a sense of what other people are feeling, so... Empaths, whether, yeah. Empathic, yeah. So whether they're saying it or not, you can already feel it. So that's I think that's where our lack of boundaries comes from. It's because we can already feel what you're feeling anyway, so we might as well talk about it. Oh, and the, the funny thing is that gets me in trouble because yes. there's, there's times, <laughs> there, there's times where, where it's like, I'm like, uh, people will, be, will say, be saying something, and this happened a lot with Lorraine in Canada, where she's like, sometimes she'd say, okay, I know that your little sixth sense thing, and for listeners who can't see me waving my fingers, um, <laughs> your little sixth sense thing, you know, I, I understand that a lot of the time you can, you know how to finish the, like, the next 15 words in someone's sentence, but when I'm talking, I'm your wife, please let me finish this, I'm like, oh, uh, uh, sorry, 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 because <laughs> it's like, you really can, you know what people are feeling and what they're going to say, and it's like, I'll be patient, I have to be patient, I have to be patient, I have to be patient, <laughs> And sometimes you don't know what they're saying, and you interpret what they're saying, and it's not really what they're trying to say. Yeah, that's why that's why I say it gets you in trouble sometimes. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, yeah, I totally know what you mean. Like, we can just get a sense in our brains. I think when you're ADHD or autistic, any of those things, our minds are we're like sponges. We're constantly absorbing this stuff from people around us, and so our brains are constantly going, and so. You know, I had to learn. I took a lot of, I'll tell more about this, but a lot of mind and body wellness and stress management classes. But it really wasn't until later in my life that I learned, you know, I wasn't stressed just because I was stressed. My nature is actually, since I've learned meditation and I do a lot of yoga, I'm actually a very calm person, but I do, I can feel when I'm feeling what other people are going through. And it causes a lot of chaos. I love when you said that it's like organized chaos, but I, I function really, really well with large people. Like, when there's a lot of people, for me, for what I have, it actually makes me focus more. So I, I function really well under pressure. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly, but when yeah. pressure, boop, 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 like, did I have D's and F's every single midterm? Absolutely. Did I somehow manage B's and some A's by the end of the semester? Totally. But I... It's like I couldn't focus unless I had a lot of pressure on me. So, but yeah. I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't know why that was the case. I just knew that very competitive sports helped me think more clearly. Yeah. So, totally. I oh my gosh, it's like, like the, one of the the things that Heavenly Father used to teach me helped me become a very different person than, I'm, than I know I would have been otherwise. With Lorraine was that she was very Type B personality, and I'm very Type A. Um, her empathic abilities are, well, yeah, I can say are, were and are, um, uh, very, um, internalized, like, she'd she'd like, take a long time to really process it emotionally, and then talk about it, she's like, I'm trying to find the right words, I'm like, I don't have the patience for that, and so she, she would, you know, she'd be drained around other people, 
like, she, like time to herself was energizing. To me, it was the polar opposite. If I'm alone, it's like, it's so draining because I want to share everything I'm thinking billions of miles an hour with everyone and their dog. And, and it's like, so, you know, I'm being around people was so interesting for me being alone. It's like somebody just shoot me in the foot. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I'm finding that with a lot of my guy friends that have had ADHD or Asperger's or um, autism, whatever it is. They don't, I, I don't think they like to be as alone as much. I kind of liked both. Like, but I would get, you know, if there was two, I was, I don't know if you're like this, but when you walk into a room, you can tell if it, things are happy or if things are heavy. And that got really exhausting. I just didn't know what was going on. I just knew <laughs> when I would feel too much of everyone's stuff, I'd have to work out really hard to get it out of my body. And so that kind of goes back when I was playing soccer and I was 13. Um, I had a coach come to me and he said, Bobby, you are literally the number one defender in the state and he said you'll be even faster if you quit drinking soda and I was like that was weird but I loved this person so much that I was like I'll never drink a soda again and <laughs> literally from the time I was 13 to probably 30 I didn't even touch soda and I very very rarely do even now so I but I remember it was a few years later so that I was diagnosed with a condition called polycystic ovarian syndrome and hypothyroidism so um because of my I think it all kind of interrelates together you know when you have that high of stress you know because I was functioning on stress I wouldn't focus unless I was constantly stressed and so that meant you know, I was releasing a lot more insulin from my pancreas because that's what cortisol does in your body. And then my cells were becoming resistant to that. So I had some insulin resistance and then I had um, hormonal dysfunction, but which was messing with me mentally. So I wouldn't know why, like, I, I thought I ate pretty healthy at the time, but whenever I would eat, I would start having just mental issues. I couldn't, it was really... Like, my brain couldn't digest the sugars, so it was causing some anxiousness. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't figure out why, because we had no idea what was going on. But in the in the long run, that's a weird, weird blessing, because I remember going on a walk one time with my friend, and, and she said, with my mom, and she said, Bobby, one day you'll be grateful for what you're going through. And I remember just thinking, ugh how could I be grateful for being, I felt so handicapped at the time. And it was embarrassing because I was like, why am I okay one minute and a total wreck the next? You know, there was no mental condition for what I was going through. It was a physiological problem that was causing some mental disturbances. Yeah, I noticed some things about that on your website too. Yeah, yeah. So, but interrelated with all that, you know, body image issues come up when you're a teenager. I don't know. Have you ever <laughs> felt yes. pressure to look or be a certain way, Colette? Absolutely, every day. And it, um, for me growing up, that when I reached 13, it was pretty dark time in my life that I just kind of hid because I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. But yeah. high school was a lot better. I finally, I, when I found the Lord, that changed everything and I didn't care what anybody thought. Yeah, I love that. It does give you so much confidence. I 
I, I felt like I was a very spiritual little kid, but as a teenager, I started to struggle. For one, my dad, when I got diagnosed with a condition, it really, you know, they say that 90% of disease comes from stress. And I remember when I was 14, well, it was 15 to 16, actually, my dad went over to Kuwait, over across seas, because the war had just started. So this is back in 2012, or no, 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 whenever it was, 2002. That's what it was. <laughs> and, uh... Sure, I was in high school too, so, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how old it <laughs> So, um... But my... I was the oldest girl. We had a caboose in our family. Her name's Jamie. She's, she was one at the time, and I... I just took this responsibility. I was the oldest girl. I had an older brother, but, you know, my siblings just did whatever, but I... In my mind, I was like, I can't burden my mom. I... I have to stay home and help her. You know, I just kind of became this mini mom. And have either of you ever been terrified before? Oh my gosh. There's, I had uh, more than a few panic attacks up north because of, well, partially because of addiction, but also because of the amount of, um, you are in charge. Wait, I, I wait, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not the one in charge. Holy crap. Uh, I'm not in charge. That's a problem. <laughs> right now, that's a problem because I don't feel in charge. I don't feel be- like being the the in chargeness person. Yeah, I, I, had the, I had the reverse where I, um, my sister had left, and I felt in charge of my mom because my mom has, she's hasn't been diagnosed with it, but uh, she has symptoms of BPD or borderline personality disorder, so uh-huh. always having to clean up her messes because one minute she's happy and the other next minute she's making a mess with her emotions and being upset and having a tantrum. Um, right. And so, yeah, totally understand that stress of, oh, I don't want to be an adult right now. <laughs> right. And I've been studying a lot of this stuff with personality. They believe that um, different characteristics we carry are actually generational things. Right. That generational families. Yep, yep. There's, there's a, a, one of my... Uh, was it my older my older brother is a, actually a therapist in Salt Lake right now. Is either him or one of my aunts, I think, who I heard from recently that um, there there was some uh, unacknowledged and therefore undiscovered um, generational crap going on on my dad's side. Yeah. That that uh, and is just kind of certain through certain family. members of extended family, kind of people are coming to realize it a bit one person at a time. And I'm like, it wasn't just mom's side. <laughs> No, yeah, it's so fascinating. I was reading this scripture. It says, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And then it says, and if children and heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if it's so be, we suffer with him. And I started getting really fascinated because I knew all I knew is that I was suffering at this time, mentally, physiologically, you know, it didn't matter. I was working out like crazy and I started developing an eating disorder because no matter how much. I was just starving myself, and that didn't even matter. So I, I remember in high school, I would go play these soccer games. Just curious, which, I, sorry, just curious, what, which, which one was it? The eating disorder? Yeah. Oh, it's a form of bulimia. I wouldn't throw up. It's kind of a blend of oh. anorexia and bulimia. I would, I would bounce between both, but I wouldn't throw up. I My purge was to obsessively, compulsively work out. Like, I would work out for four hours five hours a day sometimes this went on through high school and college I couldn't hang out with people unless I had compulsively worked out I wouldn't I wouldn't let my body rest and it's weird because I 
for some reason, I don't know if it was the hyperactivity, I just had this crazy endurance, but it ended up making me really sick. I think that's what led to having thyroid problems over time, is my obsession with that working out. And so, um, but I would barely eat anything. I would have like celery and then a Gatorade and go play a whole game of soccer. <laughs> and I would just do that day after day. And anyway, it, it messed with my health quite a bit. And it wasn't, it was when I was 18 that I was just not, nobody really knew. My mom knew. And I think my friends could tell because I was really weird about swimming and, and stuff like that. But, um, and when I was 18, I found this, this yoga video and I tried it and it was so hard but I felt this relief after I had done it that I hadn't felt in a long time and I need to backtrack just a little bit my my dad going to war made a significant impact on my life just you know wanting being in fear every day fear and stress are the same hormonal response in your yeah. body yeah constant stress that led to me struggling with eating and then even when he got home we were all struggling as a family we'd all just kind of grown up you know like we, we went from being little kids to many adults we didn't have a dad so we had to figure out life on our own without him and i mean that was really hard for him when he got home and so we our family had some pretty significant battles for a little bit and we've been able to come back together but i would say those those years kind of shaped and changed me and all i knew is that like i used to be a very spiritual little kid but i could not feel anything have any of you ever been totally well, numb like, before it was like why are the heavens so quiet heavenly father where are you it's been a long time i don't understand what's going on yeah, yeah like what did i do wrong <laughs> totally Absolutely. so uh, what how would you describe numbness for both of you well i'm curious to see what, what your response to this will be but um for me i think it's like I don't know. I the, the the worst I've ever felt it was when I was serving my mission actually. Um and I was in London, Ontario, and I just woke up this one morning, I'll never forget it. Um my companion wasn't really abusive per se, but I just didn't don't think, don't think he really knew how to be supportive either when I was going through a bunch of mental crap. I woke up one morning and I I don't think I knew it was a panic attack at the time. Looking back, I know it was, but um I just felt this like almost like I, I shouldn't you know, I won't say almost it was like a physically paralyzing fear oh my gosh I don't have a testimony like I thought I did what am I doing I'm teaching something I don't know is true that's a lie I'm living a lie and then like the, the kind of sparks a chain reaction of thoughts right and feeling like right. like just I just laid there in my bed literally just kind of in fetal position for who knows how long I'm like <sighs> and then finally kind of managed to roll over, fall, halfway fall out of bed, call sister out, Sister Ashton, I just felt darkness this morning, help me. And like, that like, it was like terrifying. I'm like, oh my gosh, am I going to commit the unpardonable sin? And then like, just really, did completely illogical thoughts, right? But just, like crippling fear. Yes. My, my numbness feels more like, I, I label it as blank. I feel blank. Like, I don't feel connected to the spirit, I don't feel connected to myself, and I just, just kind of shut down, and just don't want to have any connection with anybody. Yeah, it's like you're not happy, you're not sad, you're just wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, can, can I please feel something? I don't feel, I hate this, I want to feel, I'd better be sad than nothing. 
<laughs> yes, I know. I, w- I said that. I was like, once I started feeling again, it was very emotional. And I was like, I'd rather cry every day. Well, I, I'm actually curious. <laughs> um, so with, with the whole numbness thing, um, when did you first notice that kind of becoming a part of your struggles? My pattern, you know what? I think I was 13 when I... I think I had eating disorder tendencies when I was a little kid. I remember being really little and looking in the mirror and being like, ew. Like, I didn't like what I was looking at, which is funny because I like, I love myself now. Like, overcoming that was really hard, but I, um, I, I genuinely love myself. But um, I think when I was 13, I, that's when I started having hormonal problems with my polycystic and that's when I truly experienced physiological numbness, but I started going spiritually numb. So 13 and it got really bad when I was 15, 16, that was, that was pretty severe. So I, could, I just couldn't feel anything. Yeah. So at what point did you start feeling, you know, or, or what, I guess maybe what was the, the turning point for you uh, or, 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 or a person perhaps who was like, um, let, let's help you get back on track. Yeah. So, you know, my, I had a brother and my dad and we just didn't communicate as a family at that time. We're really good at that now, but we didn't at that time. And I didn't, I genuinely literally did not know that men had feelings. (laughs) (laughs) I discovered that recently myself with my dad. I didn't know he had words. Yeah. I mean, I think that generation, you know, our parents' generation, they had a lot of shame and guilt they didn't talk about things like we wanted to talk about things our generation's like no we're talking about it let's get this out this isn't right yeah this is anything with my family like like even to this day my my older brother actually acknowledged on our, our most recent family zoom afterwards he goes and his wife too they're in a nutshell they're basically just saying like you know our family's never been very good at being actually really open about how we're feeling about something and so he, he tried doing that about just a few things that he was, uh, was you know, feeling about recent stuff with his family. And because our family is just not very good at it, everybody just sent him text and text and text. And, Brian, are you going to be okay? He's like, whoa, guys, I, I, I was just trying to be open because our family's not good at it. I thought I would give it a shot because none of us are very good. So I'll be the first one kind of thing, right? And, <laughs> kind of like that, right? It's like, I'm really fine. Like, this is what this is supposed to look like kind of thing, right? I think that's probably shocking for a lot of people because when I started expressing myself, it was kind of terrifying to some people. Like, they were like, whoa, like, this isn't you. You're always happy. And I'm like, no, I'm not. It's like, (laughs) away with you and your verbal diarrhea. (laughs) Yeah. So I would say, you know, I, um, I was 18 when I found yoga and that was very, I felt like that was divinely orchestrated. I, I don't know how I found the video. It was at a garage sale for a young women's girls camp, but it, it started changing me. I was, I loved people. I remember even as a little kid, my heart would just want to burst because I just, I can't explain it, but physically, sometimes I felt like my heart was going to burst because I loved people so much, but then, you know, you get overburdened and it's like this weird pattern. I don't know how to explain it. Like, so that's the way it is Colette and I. It's I, like, it's like <laughs> I, I feel like <laughs> love is like, it, it's how I feel, but mm. More words. What are they? <laughs> you know what I mean, Colette. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And so, giving hugs. For, uh, well, that was my way of, uh, like, in the ward growing up. I would just feel all this immense love. So it was hugs all around. Yes. And some people are yes. like, 
but are you hugging me? Because yeah, I love so, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We first met at, uh, <laughs> yeah, People's Bubble, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. don't like you. Yeah, like, like, when, when we first met on Leap Day this year, like, the fir- one of the first things she told me she liked about me was, oh my gosh, he's a tight hugger like me. This is awesome. Yeah. The same with both of like, oh, yay, tight hugs all the time, long, prolonged, very, so when people would be considered awkward hugs, we love them, let's do them, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I, there's, there's a few people growing up, like, um, as I grew up, I would see them in the hallway at church, and they were in the other ward, and there would be a, like a, kind of, brace themselves because I was a little exuberant so I would run and then halt right before I gave them a hug and they were always afraid I was going to knock them over that is so funny yeah so I think we don't realize like boundaries and I always felt like I kind of had this like weird I I mean this in a kind of like a joint citizenship not actually but you know I'm very (laughs) I'm definitely empathic but I had just the combination of my mom and dad in me has been very interesting. Like, I can, I can understand both sides for some reason. Like, I've always kind of had, I don't know how to even explain that, so I'm not going to try. But I, I feel like I'm a very highly logical person and very highly emotional, and the combination is very interesting. So, yeah. um, so this is where my life started to change. I, I felt pretty dead spiritually, I would say, which your spirit and your body are intertwined. And so physically very numb, health struggles. And I remember just feeling dark, just darkness. And I love that verse. It says, it talks about Jesus Christ. I think it's in John 12. It just says, I am come a light that whosoever would believe on me would not abide in darkness. And if any man hear these words and believe them not, I judge him not. I came it's, not to judge the world, but to save the world. Yeah, it's similar to the, the it reminds me kind of a similar air to, um, I think it's John 10. Uh, I want to say John 10, 10. That might be wrong with the verse where it says, I have come that they might have life, but that they might have it more abundantly. Yes. and But I was like, I believe in Jesus Christ. Why am I in darkness? <laughs> Why do I feel darkness? And that really troubled me. And I just remember feeling a little bit hopeless at the time. But you know when you're, like, dead, but you have this little flicker of hope, like, maybe my life can get better than what it is. Like, and it's just so small, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Or you, you feel this darkness, and you're like, I haven't committed any sin. What's wrong with me? Yeah, like, what did I do wrong? And then you, yeah. you beat yourself. You're like, I shouldn't be feeling this. Yeah. And it's confusing. So I learned a few okay. things that I wanted to do, but... So, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You guys have yeah. experienced have you, that as well. A lot. Yeah. I think, I think honestly, a lot of people, I don't think that's conditional to um, what we're talking about with ADHD, whatever, all those things. I think that's a human condition. Yeah, I think yeah. everyone goes through that. So I just remember I had a cousin who came to visit from California. He just returned home from his mission. And I still remember when he walked in the room. And I just keep in mind, up to this point, I attended seminary, which is religious school. I slept through every ounce of seminary. I don't recall a single lesson up to this point. Like, you know what? Like, I couldn't. Have you ever been reading the scriptures and you read the same thing over and over? Yes. And, over and you can't comprehend it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yep. My, my notes and my scriptures reflect that 100%. And the thing is, 
Uh, what was it? Lorraine and Colette both told me multiple times. Told me multiple times. You really should try and use the scriptures. But I'm like, but but I I have this little you know like I mark everything on the side. I have t- tons of side notes in pencil, and they're in pencil because I can erase them once I actually figure out how ridiculous the first note was in my desperate attempt to understand it. And I'm like, oh wait a minute, that was a false perception. And now I uh, then the spirit will be like, this is what that verse actually means, and I'll erase it and I'll you know write new stuff and I can see my progress over time. And so I'm like. I don't want to get rid of that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a good idea to do, too. So, I just remember, um, I couldn't feel anything, and I remember sitting at a church, because we, we use the church for this family gathering, and I distinctly remember my cousin walking into the room. And have you ever been around somebody that they're just warm? Yes. You just feel their presence, and... I remember it's like he had this light around him. I couldn't, it felt like I could tangibly see light around him. And I was like, whoa, what is that? And I remember when he talked to me, my happiness started increasing. It's like I was in this cold darkness and I started, even though I wasn't necessarily doing anything horrible in my life at the time, I just couldn't feel. And I started to, I would say, wake up. It's like I was asleep and I was waking up. And my cousin, for whatever reason, he started calling me every day after that, literally. And he went over to BYU Hawaii, but he would call me every single day (laughs) just to check and see how I'm doing. You know, he came from, his home was a a little bit broken and we were just became buddies. And I felt like God was just trying to tell me, Hey, I'm with you. I care about you. And men actually do have feelings. And It's so funny. I have, a, I have a cousin similar to that, uh, uh, second cousin Brooklyn, and I mean, you don't talk every day, but it's like anytime we talk, anytime we do, it's like, you know, the same thing with you and this guy. It's like we're just buddies, you know. Oh yeah, just best friends. So, um, we we started talking about a lot of gospel things, and I remember the next year he brought his friend out on a snowboarding trip to Utah, and. His friend was really cool. He was cute. We were really good friends instantly. But it was more than just that he was cute. He was just, I can't explain it. You know when you meet someone and you're like, you're my friend. Like, I've missed you. (laughs) That's how I felt when I met this person. And we just instantly connected. We just kind of had this bond, um, my cousin and this boy. And uh, they taught me how to snowboard. And anyway, I, I started realizing this was my senior year of high school that I didn't know a dang thing. Well, maybe that that was actually after my senior year. So this is after high school. I didn't know a dang thing that I believed in. I knew I went to church. I knew I felt the spirit at times, but I couldn't read and comprehend the scriptures. Every time I'd go try to read, I was like, oh, I can't, I can't read. And it was so frustrating. It was really annoying, honestly, because they're like, read the scriptures, pray and know if they're true. And I'm like, I can't even read. <laughs> so... Um, I just remember one day going to my grandma's house up in Star Valley, Wyoming, and have you ever done one of those prayers where you pray and you just let your book flop open? Yes. It was a favorite that, thing as a missionary. Yeah, it's so, have you ever gotten answers from yes. that? Uh-huh. Yes. So, this person, you know, they, they weren't a member of my faith, and they were really struggling. I remember his parents were going through a divorce at the time. And that's kind of hard. It's almost harder when you're older, I think, because you understand what's going on. But I just remember praying so hard. I, was, I just wanted to help my friend because 
I just felt so connected to them. And I remember just praying and I was like, Heavenly Father, I can't read very well. I can't comprehend this. Like, I've heard you can receive answers to your prayers through reading this book, but I don't even know how to do this. And I want to share it with my friend to give him help, to give him hope. I don't know why I just suddenly had this vested interest in the scriptures. And I was like, I need to know what I believe in. I can't share if I don't know it's true. And I remember praying, I would say, with my whole soul. I, I don't know if I've ever prayed more hard in my life up to that point. And then I just dropped my scriptures open. And this is what it opened up to. It flipped open to Doctrine and Covenants 11. And it just says this. So first it says, I am God, give heed to my word, which is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-hedged sword, to the dividing asunder of both joint and marrow. Therefore, give heed unto my word. And I'm going to skip down a few verses, and it says, For behold, it is I that speak. Behold, I am the light which shineth in darkness, and by my power I give these words unto thee. And I was like, whoa, he's... I, I never at any point, up to that point, they it's like the words were jumping off the page. And I can hardly even explain it. I was like, what is happening right now? Like, these are alive. And, and it started speaking to my exact situation. So it says, and now I'm very late. Did you have something you wanted to say, Paul? You can keep going. I, I'll, I won't forget this. Trust me. Okay. So I was like, something's happening. You know, it talks about it in Romans 8 that we live carnally, but then you have to pray to be spiritually minded. All I knew is I'd never prayed so hard and I didn't know what was happening, but it's like, it's like this portal had been open of some sort that I'd never been able to experience up to this point. And it said, and now verily, verily, I say unto thee, put your trust in that spirit, which leadeth to do good. Yea, to do justly, to walk humbly, to judge righteously. And this is my spirit. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I will impart unto you my spirit, which will, which shall enlighten your mind and which shall fill your soul with joy. So, as I read that, I was like, whoa, my mind is actually being enlightened right now. Like, there's physiologically something happening to my body, and it, it talked about enlightenment. And I was feeling this joy. I was feeling like, you know when you're thirsty and you, you can't get enough? And it's just yeah. like, oh. Yeah. I was like, this is not manna from heaven. <laughs> and then I'm going to keep going, you know, keep in mind my friend doesn't have the gospel. I want so bad to share it with them just to give them hope and help and, and just something, you know, I, for some reason it was so painful for me to see what they were going through. Probably cause I'm empathic. I could feel it. Yeah. I didn't know that at that time, but <laughs> so it goes on to say, barely, barely I say unto you, I will impart to you of my spirit. Oh, I already read that one. So, and then shall you know, or by this shall you know all things whatsoever you desire of me, which are pertaining unto things of righteousness and faith, believing in me that you shall receive. So I was getting that, you're desiring this in righteousness, you're going to receive it. But then it goes on and it says, Behold, I command you that you need not suppose you are called to preach until you are called. And this was like the drama of my life unfolding. It was so exact to what I was going through. I was like, what? Why am I not called to preach yet? Like, all I want to do is share this scripture. And I felt like he was actually speaking to me. And it says, wait a little, little longer until you shall have my word, my rock, my church, and my gospel that you may know of a surety my doctrine. And then behold, according to your desires, even according to your faith, it shall be done unto you. Keep my commandments, hold your peace, appeal unto my spirit. Yea, cleave unto me with all your heart, that you may assist in bringing to light those things which have been spoken. And then it says, it, it keeps going on, and, and he's like, 
look, I'm going to, I just want you to cleave to me. I want you to keep my commandments. I want you to study these things out. And then it gets even better. And it says, behold, this is your work. So I, I, it's like I was receiving step-by-step instruction. Keep my commandments with all your might, mind, and strength. Seek not to declare my word, but first seek to obtain my word. And then your tongue will be loose. And then if you desire, you shall have my spirit, my word, gain my pa- the power of God unto the convincing of men. But behold, but now hold your peace. Study my word, which hath gone forth among the children of men. And also study my word, which shall come forth among the children of men. Or that which is now tra- translating. Until you shall obtain all which I shall grant unto the children of men in this generation. And then I was like, whoa, this is, it, it was so exact to my situation. I was like, I, I don't know what just happened. I just know God spoke to me, though. And yep. and I went home from Star Valley. Well, you, tell me what you were going to say before, before oh, I continue. Okay, okay. You're right. I, I, like, you're doing great here. This is awesome. I keep going. Um, but so it's funny that you mentioned that. I, two scriptures come to mind when you tell that story there. One is on my mission. Um, the night before this, my companion, thank you, Elder Stephen Ward. I, I've mentioned you a few times. If you listen to this, this is another thank you to you because I, have, I was having kind of one of those little like numbness moments like you're mentioning. Like, I don't know what I believe. I, I kind of have one of those faith crisis moments right now. But I don't, have the, I don't have the energy to address it in my head right now or in my heart. So whatever, I'm just going to keep walking home for the night. And I told you know my Elder Ward about that. And he's like, you know... I'm no psychologist or anything, but I mean, and take this for what it's worth. If you if you want to dismiss it, fine. I'm not a professional, so whatever. Like, but have you ever thought that any of this is perhaps self-induced? I'm like, oh, I don't know, whatever. And the next morning, I'm reading an Alma thirty Korahor. I'm like, oh, this is the chapter I needed for today. Not. <laughs> and then I get to the end, verse fifty three, where he says, "I have brought this curse upon me," and I'm like. Ooh. I, like the same thing happened that happened to you. I'm like, uh, thank you, Elder. He's like, <laughs> he, he's in the bedroom. He's like, for what? I'm like, for what you said last night. I, I swear, I read that phrase like 30 more times. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm doing this to myself. And then the second one, wake, wake up call was um, actually a funny thing. I have it right by me here. Um, this is for our listeners. This is. Um, my journal, I got 300, 400 plus pages of it published finally and sent to me in the mail. But um, on the front there, and I'll explain this to listeners in a second. Can you see what it says on the front underneath? It says, feast on that which perisheth not. Secondly, uh, yeah, Second Nephi 951. It's also on my license plate on my car because it's like, I read that and I'm like, because the, the rest of the verse is also important, right? Because it says, Feast on that which perisheth not, neither can be corrupted. And it's like, wait a minute. So you're basically saying to me that my, you know, what, what some people might call my hyperzealousness for the gospel and wanting to talk about it constantly and annoy people sometimes, that's not bad? Like, feast on this. Oh, well, great. So <laughs> same, yeah. thing, same thing, you know. That's so interesting. Yeah, we kind of like, I know, you know, I just think the way the world views things, and there's a little more to what I was going to say, but the way the world views these physical elements, what the world views as weak, God views as his strength. That's what I was learning through the scriptures, and that's what this experience gave to me. I, 
I started recognizing after this, but I had massive weakness in my life and a lot of it. And it was not pleasant. But yet when God was with me, I was doing things that were what I would say miraculous. And and I tell that, I say that all the time. I, I literally believe miracles follow me everywhere I go, and they do. And, and I think it's because God knows I am disabled. I do have a disability. But that I think he knows I'll always give him the glory because there's no way I could take credit for the gifts and talents that he's given me. I, I literally can't because I was terribly shy, so insecure with my, you know, difficulties and disabilities and whatever they were. You know, I couldn't. It's embarrassing. It's hard when you can't focus. It's embarrassing. It's It's not like I had true depression, but the depression came from... I can't focus and you feel defeated all the time and it was just really hard and so um I, I continued you know my, my journey went on I, I left my grandma's house and I went home and I was so excited I was like oh I'm healed I can read and then I went home <laughs> and I just started praying um I went home to read my scriptures and I and I started trying to read the book of Mormon because I, I said seek to obtain my word and then your tongue will be loose. So I'm, I'm going to read the scriptures and I'm like, same thing. I can't read, can't focus. It's terrible. So and like, I, it, I got, I'm wondering if it's like, wait a minute, but that, that thing just happened. Huh? I don't get it. Exactly. That was to a T my exact mindset. And I finally got so frustrated. I got down onto my knees and <laughs> I wouldn't say I was angry at God, but I think it was a frustrated prayer. I was like, Heavenly Father, you made me <laughs> like why am I like this and I was like I just want to read this book and I was like I don't even know what's true and I just want to know and and I just remember praying with my whole heart again and I was like if you help me read this book and let me know that this is real that you're real that I would do anything to know anything you ask me I'll do it. I just would do anything to know. Uh, I think you had your uh, Lamoni's father moment. Yeah, I think so. And I, undescribable, again, this power entered my room. I couldn't even put it into words if I wanted to, but you know that feeling of where you, you just can't get enough water? <laughs> like you drink and you drink and you drink and it's just, you're never full. You just can't get enough. I felt that I remember opening the pages and it's like the words were popping out again and I was drinking them in. I couldn't even put the book down for days and days. I was just reading and reading and reading and that had never happened for me before. I had never up to that point been able to. And I think if I would have known what God was asking of me, I would have been like, Oh no, I'm going to say that prayer. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the stuff following that prayer have been pretty incredible and intense, but awesome in my life. But I ended up, um, you know, sharing that with my friend. They didn't necessarily take it well, but I, I, I credit that friend for helping me to develop a relationship with God. And I think God will do anything to help us to know him. He will use people to guide us to him. And, and I remember that I ended up you know, I, I don't see that person anymore in my life, but I always think of them and I'm like, I am so thankful God put that human in my life that I valued so deeply so that I would work so hard to know God's word because of that person. I know God. And, you know, I was able to learn that was true. And I, 
um, still had some health problems. I ended up getting some help for them, and I was able to serve a mission. I didn't even know girls served a mission at that time. Where'd you go? <laughs> What's that? Where'd I went to go? Missouri, Independence, Missouri. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I served at a visitor center there. The interesting thing was that I, I really was still battling with an eating disorder, and this is the one part that I will share. Because of that prayer to help somebody else, really it was God trying to help me. You know, you think you're doing things for other people, but really the Lord is doing things for you. And He's working through I, you. And for you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. And I remember going on my mission. And, you know, I thought that, like, I remember praying before our mission. I was like, I can't get married like this. Like, this, I don't want my kids to be affected by my problems. Like, I don't want my spouse to be affected by this. Like, I just want to be healed so I can have healthy relationships. And I remember going out there thinking, like, oh, good. I'll just all of a sudden become healthy on my mission. (laughs) (laughs) Missions and marriage do not fix you. No. And people need to know that. Yeah. They make problem you currently have very much so worse wouldn't you say yeah yeah definitely it's not the person's fault but you just it shines light on those mm-hmm. areas yeah like uh, the, the scripture the scripture i mentioned on my mission the elder ward um kind of inadvertently uh, confirmed for me before i read it um it's like the mission wasn't what changed me it was the people there yes yeah, the people you run into, the experiences that you have, the companions, the good and the rough times, all of it. So I just remember when I was out there, I was praying because it was secret and it erupted. It was like a beast that just full-fledged came out. And I remember I gained quite a bit of wet weight right in the beginning because when you go from working out for four to five hours a day to my companions at that time wouldn't get up in the morning with me and I was like... I gotta work out, and and I was going crazy. I literally lost my crap. That's the truth. Uh, I remember being at the visitor center, and I'd go hide. <laughs> this is hilarious. I'd go hide. They had like this family bathroom that you could lock, and it was the only one. Everything else was like public restrooms, and I would just go sit on the floor and be like, I'm not gonna make it. Like I can't do this. It was so meant because an eating disorder isn't an eating problem. It's a mental problem. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So I was just really struggling. I gained weight. I let go of, it was really hard. My cousin and I talked for three years every day before I left. I wasn't talking to my best friend anymore. Um, His friend and I were really close and just leaving everything behind was just really hard. And it felt a little traumatizing at first. But I knew that God wanted me to be there. I'd had pretty significant experiences of, I saw my mission in a dream before I knew where I was even going. And um, I still remember when I saw that exact place that I saw in my dream when I was on my mission. Um, But when I was out there, I just said, you know, please help heal me of this. And six months into my mission, after I gained all this weight, I finally surrendered and I was like, fine, Lord, I'm just going to accept myself whether I'm thick or thin. And I'm going to, I'm just going to choose to stay here. Even if I get diabetes, I, that's what I was really worried about. Saturday was pre-diabetic. I didn't want to get diabetes. I was like, even if I have to get diabetes, any of these things, like, fine, I'll just stay. And six months into my mission, I was in this small town called Hutchison. And this is the exact place I saw in my dream. 
And I remember getting there and just having kind of this deja vu. Have you ever had deja vu before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I only have a couple of times, maybe two or three, but I I felt that so strong. There. I was like, I know I've been here before. I know it. And in my, while I was there on a Wednesday, there were four of us missionaries that stopped by this church, this little town, Hutchinson, Kansas. And I have never seen this man since this time. I have no idea who this was. I don't know why he was at the church in the morning on a Wednesday, but we, I think it was morning, maybe it was evening. I can't remember, but I remember walking into this church. Nobody's supposedly better, but we walk into this church and this man walks up to us and he just looks at all of us and he says, everyone has an addiction and it doesn't mean it's to a drug. And he said, do this book. And he handed it to us. And he's like, I highly encourage you to do this to understand yourself and the people around you. And I was like, whoa, you know, have you ever, I, it's like I had this zing of lightning through my body. It was like, hey, wake up. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. And the book. And I didn't know. I didn't know, like, you know, eating any addiction is really just a way to regulate your nervous system. I think especially ADHD, people that are autistically prone, whatever, all of us. Yeah. Anyone for, for, for me, that resulted in, you know, 20 plus years of trying to, you know, overcome and then re, and then be good for a while, then relapse. And then, you know, for 20 plus years of that with a porn addiction, it's like, it, it, it's just a false way to, like you said, try to regulate with no success. Well, yeah, I look at kids who go through abuse, you know, like they're looking or that have ADHD or, or who are bullied. They're, it's just a way to regulate your nervous system, your pathways. When you've been in that trauma, it enlarges your amygdala and it shrinks your logic mm-hmm. center and you're looking for something to make your brain feel normal. And that addiction comes with a dopamine dump, right? I loved the yeah. feeling of starving myself. I had my, my problem was eating. I'd eat a lot of sugar to, to compensate or to get that pleasure because I wasn't getting it elsewise. Now you seek for happiness and love in places where you shouldn't get it when you're not getting it where you need it. Right. That's exact. All of those things. And I, so, you know, when I was at the Provo MTC, I started doing yoga and then I had this big this little following that would, I say big, it was big to me, but <laughs> this little flock of people that would do it with me, and I taught it all throughout my mission, and I ended up getting certified when I got home, but I would say that 12-step program in the church was my gateway to freedom, because because I finally understood my value to God. Even though I'd had that experience and that conversion, I always had this perception that God was scary, that I was in trouble all the time. And do you know what? You shake your heads. Like, tell me. What yeah, are, yeah. You, you... <laughs> For our listeners, yeah, like Colette and I are both sitting here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> that would be the story of my growing up. I always thought he was a scary person and I couldn't pray. And it wasn't until uh, I was 16 or so that I realized, oh, that is a false perception because I thought Heavenly Father was going to be like my mom, who if I did something wrong... She would withdraw her love. Push the smite button on the keyboard, if you will. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. 
or yeah. be cold and dark and nothing would come from heaven. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I have to earn his love somehow. It's like, no. And for me, it was like, it, it, sorry, if you were, yeah, for me, it was like, I, I guess it wasn't so much of a God as a harsh parent God. It was more of a just, I guess, because I, I didn't really understand and my Asperger's, ADHD, whatever you want to call it back at that point, brain on my mission, I didn't really understand the logistics of, wait a minute, how does the atonement help? And then when I finally understood, wait a minute, oh, it's Jesus that helps because of his atonement. And it, that works because, you know, it's like, just once I understood the cause and effect of the atonement and Christ and how it all worked, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. So no matter how much I obey, it's never going to be enough to earn salvation, but that's not, it's okay because he earned our salvation. That's how his atonement, that's what his atonement does, what, that's what he did by sacrificing that for us. He earned our salvation and we grow into it, you know, yeah. over time. It's like we're practicing for it. I'm like once I got that in my head, I'm like, oh, this isn't some scary laundry list of stuff that if I don't do it all, I'm damned to hell forever. It's like, oh, I can, just, I can just take it a step at a time and God won't be angry with me. Great. Yes, thank you. That's exactly, yeah, it's like this paranoia of praying, you know, my, before my prayers were like, Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, I'm so sorry, so I can image Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm also, sorry I suck in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Oh, it feels like it, for sure. When you, before you... Don't if you do, before you realize yeah, yeah. that you can talk to him as a as a friend as a an actual father, that's not bound by human frailties, that he's there for you. Yes, so I think I think something we don't realize as human beings as well, especially for and you know when with the types of minds that we have, the gospel is very much so experiential for us. And I just remember that was my struggle in seminary. Like, I couldn't understand how it was being taught, even though that resonated with so many people. I I just learned different, and I, and I didn't, you know, I couldn't receive the gospel in the way it was being taught at that time because I was clogged with stress, with hating myself, with, you know, you can't, you can't beat yourself up and tell yourself lies constantly about who you are and expect to fill the spirit <laughs> in your life. No. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so many times now when I listen to people, I'm like, they're like, I can't feel the spirit. And I'm like, well, you're abusing God's child. Stop being mean to yourself. Like, <laughs> abuse so, is not okay to other people, and it's not okay when it's towards yeah. yourself either. So, I, with, so I, just something that came to my head, I've been kind of silently checking in with Heavenly Father as we've been talking here. Thinking, what could we do as a freedom from or freedom to for this episode? And I feel like, I mean, if there's maybe a different way to phrase this that you feel is more accurate to your experience, feel free to correct me on this, but I almost feel like we could, you know, you could almost say that your story is a, a story of freedom to God's power, of change maybe, or something like that. That one of learning how to access his power in my life. Yeah, maybe freedom to access to his power, you know? Yeah. I loved that phrase. That was really good. So, you know, freedom from freedom from self-abuse, freedom from, freedom from things that were not serving me so that I could get back in alignment with the truth of who I really was and so I could recognize my value to him. So after overcoming that eating disorder, that 12-step book is 
incredible. That that pain in my life is actually now my power. So when I returned home, I, I was able to get certified to become a yoga instructor from there. I owned my own gym for six years, and I got to teach, and I got to help a lot of people with addiction. That's awesome. And none of those things would have happened in my life had I not suffered greatly well, and had hard to overcome. I love that phrase you use. I think maybe that should be the one for the episode. I think you just nailed it. It reminds me of a song, which you said there about pain and power. One of my favorite, favorite songs. I think it's by the script. I might be wrong. Um, it's called Superheroes. Um, but uh, part of the chorus where it goes, every day, every hour, turn the pain into power. I'm thinking this episode we could do freedom to turn your pain into power. Yeah, I think it really is. Like that. going back to that verse where he says, um, you know, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. But so we suffer with him. And Isaiah, that's the essence of Isaiah. It's, it's the descent and ascent to heaven that every human being, if you want to know Jesus Christ, you will endure suffering in your life because it's part of knowing him. If we want to be saviors on Mount Zion, if we want to um, help people to move from where they are and have that power, you can't have power without experience. So every experience is consecrated to God for good, whether it's you personally doing something wrong, like suffering different addiction or whatever it is, he can consecrate, just like he did with Alan Vianer, he can consecrate everything for our gain, and that is the essence, that's what Isaiah is trying to tell us, he's like, hey, you're going to descend, and with God you will ascend, you, you know, will climb the For heaven. two things, if I'm sorry, if I may, real quick, two things, one is, my heart just kind of went, did a little, yay, when you mentioned Isaiah. Um, <laughs> love his stuff. If you ever read, if you ever read all 66 chapters of Isaiah alongside the Desert Book, uh, Understanding Isaiah by, uh, what was the last names of the authors? are Perry Perry and Peterson. Anyways, but this nod you have of going down and then up. I, I love this, this picture you're painting in my head with that. I picture a car that's going on a straight road and then tries to go up a really steep hill like in like what LA or Vegas or something I don't know and it's like you can't no matter what kind of car it is this hill is too steep to get up you have to go down and gather some speed first and yes. it may not seem in your light and you know you know analogy to real life it may not seem like you're getting speed going the right direction but as long as you are focused the best you can on Christ when you get to the bottom of that hill and then you kind of almost slingshots you back up it's like, yeah. I imagine the car getting to a point where it's like, well, you still can't get as far as you need to on your own, but now that you're in motion the right way going up, Christ can keep pushing you because you've started going up. You use that bottoming out as a catapult. And that's yeah. exactly what Christ expects us to do. Yeah, and he, I love that visual. I think that's so true. Like, it's hiking. You get to points, but sometimes you go back down. And you might think when you're going down that you're back to where you started from because you're on that same elevation level. Yeah, but, but you're still you're not going, just yeah, you're not just going down. You're going forward and down. Yes, but it, and that's part of what you know he speaks about with Jacob's ladder is that these angels ascended and descended from heaven, but really in order to minister to people and pull them into the light, experience that that gift of being empathic or empathy. Any human being can really develop that. Yeah, it's a it's a gift, but it's also a prayer. And and I think having that ability to be like, hey, you know what? I've been in a similar place you've been, and you have 
have the power to persuade people to righteousness, and I think I think Satan hates us because of that. Like we <laughs> we didn't let the demise deter us from God. We we chose to suffer. It's, it's almost like like, um, like uh like when you know God's like huh, okay, Satan, you think you're so smart? I'm gonna use that against you. And he's like, oh dang it, I was so close. <laughs> ah, like there's no. Because God, the atonement of Jesus Christ, because he is our advocate and knows how to succor us when we're tempted and he's pleading our cause, any, literally, that's that's the beautiful thing of his plan is anything you've done in your life can be used for his gain. Yeah, and, he can, and, and, and like like the thing we mentioned earlier, he can turn, like with what you just said there, he can turn your pain into power if you let him. Absolutely. 100%. And I think the last thing I wanted to share is I started recognizing the messages that I was believing about myself in my brain and how it was deterring me from God. Instead of viewing myself as bad when I made a mistake, I was like, that was, this is part of my life experience and I just learned and I grew. And I never would have failed if I hadn't tried. And people are so quick to look at Peter who fell in the water. And I'm like, Peter's also the only one who tried. He's <laughs> a, he walked on water and that's miraculous. And he's the one who said, if, you, if it be you, bid, thou, bid me come unto you. He, is, he asked that question. He's like, give me something to work with here. Oh, okay, here you go. You asked, you got it. Yes, and he he did sink, but he did try. And in my book, he's the only one in the arena. And I just think, you know, like, it's like when Moses was transfigured. To, was he transfigured or translated to see God? Yeah. Transfigured. Yeah. And he, I think translation's uh, permanent. Yes, he's called by son of he's called the son of God and then he comes back down and nothing happens to his body when Satan's taunting him. But yet when he fears because Satan keeps taunting him, that's when he feels the depths of hell. And that's what I started recognizing too. Like when I reside in fear, I do feel darkness. When I believe that I'm a daughter of man versus a daughter of God. When I say daughter of man, I mean, when I'm believing things like when I say I'm stupid or I'm dumb, if I'm believing these negative things about myself or I'm a wreck I'm believing Satan over God and, and that's not I don't think that's cool with him and that's like part of where my pain turned to my power too I started recognizing very distinctly how Satan would work on me and on my mind and I think he works on a lot of us like that he tries to make our identity the things we struggle with and that's yeah. just not true especially with women yeah <laughs> on that the, moms. yeah yeah what you mentioned there too it reminds me of a footnote I put a side note I put in my scriptures I was actually just reading a few days ago, maybe, I think it was, um, where, oh, what was going on? I think it was one of the chapters, one of the sermon chapters in late third Nephi or something like that. <laughs> Anyways, I'll have to look it up later. And my and the side notes, one of the, one of the verses where I had written um, in a really challenging time where everything was just going so wrong, and I eventually got to the point where I kind of got, I became, instead of becoming frustrated or angry, I just got sad. And someone's like, well, that's a form of acceptance, so that's progress. But then the next step for me was when I read this, like this, I forget which verse it was, but the phrase came to my mind from the Holy Ghost, punch back. When you're in boxing, you get hit, counter. You have to counter every time. I'm like, that's exactly what the Lord is with Satan. Why don't we punch back harder? you know, I, I think I have a learning disability. It's really <laughs> difficult, but I, 
um, I do give God that glory for when he helps me to learn. And, and that pattern of learning scripture, it helped me in school. I was able to do a lot of things, okay. even though they still significantly challenging because I learned that like with God, I really could do it. That's so. awesome. Bobby, thank you so much for doing this interview today. This, I like, I, I'm trying not to stay biased here, but in my mind right now, I'm like, man, this has been one of my favorites. <laughs> So, with Anything else you wanted to share with us, with our listeners? Um, I think I would just say to be patient with sadness, with weakness in your life, because God is working wonders in you. And just like President Nelson recently said, that Israel means to let God prevail. And I, I personally really believe that Jesus Christ is each of our individual Savior, and He knows this intimately and individually, and that your timeline is right because the experiences placed in your path are for your learning and for your growth and to trust his timing and the strange lessons that he puts in your path and that um, with his help that you will overcome. That's it. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Bobby. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Yeah, I wasn't kidding about the whole uh, talkative thing. (laughs) Um, But I, I think... The first thing that comes to my mind, you know, now that we can talk about what you talked about without ruining anything. <laughs> um, no spoiler alerts here. What? I said no spoiler alerts here. Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I, was, I think I was particularly impressed with with Bobby was that um, even like there's that time where she like felt like she had that awakening. Oh my gosh, I can read now. I can understand it. And then she goes home and she's like, oh, wait a minute. Heavenly Father, what what is happening? I thought I was going to be fine from now on. I thought that that was my moment. Well, what's what's my problem? Why can't I, <laughs> why can't I get this? And then, but the thing is, she kept trying anyways, and she kept trying, and, I mean, you can tell from how like that big huge section of the Doctrine and Covenants she quoted, it's like now she you know loves the scriptures and and uh, was getting into them, and I'm like, that can happen. You just keep trying, you know. Definitely, and don't give up. And the Lord will help you through your specific challenge or trial. And you'll become more than you ever thought you could, if you, than you could have on your own. Um, the Lord makes more out of us than we can ever make of ourselves on our own. He makes the impossible possible. In her case, they, it, he made the impossible, what felt like impossible, of unable to be able to really dive in and connect to the scriptures and read them and comprehend what they were trying to teach to be able to understand and apply them. And and from the, as you can tell, she's memorized them. Like she didn't have it in front of her. She was telling us. I thought she was reading it off of her phone or something. Maybe. I don't know. I I was going to say, I didn't didn't, didn't even notice. I wasn't paying attention to that. I'm like, now that you say that, I'm like, wait a minute. I want to go back and ask, hey, did you memorize that? I thought she was reading it off her phone, but uh, I remember. Anyways. Either way, she she knew where the, where the scriptures were and and what she wanted to to share, and that was quite empowering because I know my grandpa, um, my dad's dad, he's really good at memorizing, and he always made me well. Okay, he didn't. I chose to feel uh, inadequate because I I I just haven't memorized scriptures since institute or seminary, and, and most of them I don't remember. Or the ones I memorized on my mission, I don't remember them now. And so, me 
maybe it's a, a wake-up call for me to dive back in and ponderize more. Good way to spend family slash date night. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So, hey, maybe you'll hear some stuff about that from us in December. But <laughs> anyways, yeah. Wonderful lessons in this one. Um, share it with people you know. If you enjoyed this episode, please uh, go give that follow link and click on paulpulsiver.podomac.com. Um, share, share, share this with family and friends. Written reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook are quite helpful. Um, and as usual, remember to stand fast. I'll be fine. Remember to stand steadfastly in the freedom God gave us. <laughs> Until next time, this is Paul Pulsifer. And Colette Pulsifer. <laughs>